Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to Discover DEP, the official podcast of the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Each week, we talk with DEP experts about how we protect and preserve New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. So that you'll never miss one of our podcasts, please subscribe to Discover DEP on iTunes or Google Play. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Today, we are very pleased to have with us Hester Agadosi, who joined DEP in February as the new Director of Equal Opportunity. Hester is bringing with her years of experience from the Attorney General's Office and beyond. The Office of Equal Opportunity is committed to promoting equal employment opportunity within the Department of Environmental Protection, and it also works to eliminate discrimination and sexual harassment. It plays a really important role here at DEP because nothing is more important to a well-functioning workplace than people's ability to feel that they're being treated fairly, that they are safe in the workplace, so that they don't have to worry about inappropriate behavior and can focus on their work. So the work that Hester does is not only really important to the agency, it's very important to Commissioner Martin, whose commitment to equal opportunity here at DEP and a harassment-free workplace. So we are really pleased to have you here, Hester. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Hester, tell us a little bit more about EEO, what you do here at DEP, kind of what duties of your office are, and and, uh, how you're helping to ensure that we do have the right kind of workplace here at DEP. Well, thanks, Bob, and you pretty much gave a good overview of the mission of the office. So first and foremost, there is a state policy that prohibits discrimination in the workplace, and all state agencies, commissions, authorities, units are subject to the policy. So the initial mission of the office is to ensure that all our employees are aware of the policy and that they're subject to conducting themselves pursuant to the policy, and essentially what you just described, uh, making sure that we conduct ourselves in a professional manner, that we treat people with courtesy and respect, that we don't engage in inappropriate behavior, and that inappropriate behavior specifically under the policy is to treat someone in a discriminatory manner, a disparaging way, based upon their membership in a protected category. And there are several enumerated protected categories under the policy, for example, race, gender, sexual orientation, familial status, pregnancy, civil union status, things of that nature. And all of those things that uh, really have no bearing on anybody's ability to do their job, right? Right, I mean, we're absolutely. All, all uh, individuals who have our uh, strengths, and, and some of us have weaknesses. Um, I'm certainly among them, but, uh, you know, what I look like or what gender I am has nothing to do with my ability to do my job. And that's why we want to make sure that people are protected from harassment on any of those sorts of the reasons. I think for the most part, most employees conduct themselves professionally in the workplace. And when we talk about running afoul of the policy, oftentimes it's not intentional. It may be a stray comment, someone who's making a joke or a statement that they may not even consider to be something that violates the the policy. For example, imposing or speaking to someone about their religious beliefs in an ongoing way that may constitute harassment. Mm or referring to someone in the workplace as, hey, you know, look at this kid, what is he doing? 
that's the common vernacular, but really when we refer to someone as a kid, that can sometimes be construed as disparaging, yeah, right? And, it's de- not, and demeaning. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. But nonetheless, that's just something that most people wouldn't even consider when we're talking about what the policy governs. So that's why coming here initially, one of the things that I've been focused on primarily is training and providing training initially to our managers and supervisors on the policy and highlighting for them what I consider to be the hot topics that we see as EEO professionals, what those trends are nationally and in the state. So what sort of advice do you give uh, to managers and others if an employee comes to them and has had a good working relationship with somebody, but all of a sudden somebody makes a stray remark or something that they don't usually do? What, what, what is a manager supposed to do in that particular case? Does there need to be a pattern of harassment? Is it kind of a one-off? How does that get handled and where do you go from there? So thanks for asking. So the policy is a zero tolerance policy, and that's one of the first things that we talk about because that's pretty intense. Zero tolerance policy meaning that you don't have any discretion as a manager, that you're a mandatory reporter. So even though it may be something that may not rise to the level in your mind as being significant because, as you indicated, you know the person, it seems like this is one-off. Under the policy, it is something that you should report to our office. And it doesn't mean that we're going to take extensive disciplinary action. It may be, and in most instances, it's a matter of being addressed through training Mm -hmm. and just making the employee aware of the fact that that comment was inappropriate. The goal really is uh, kind of nip stuff like this in the bud, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and often people aren't really aren't thinking about it necessarily. Right, and what and and the rationale behind it being a zero tolerance policy is that that if we address the behavior early on and correct it, that it never rises to the level of constituting harassing behavior. Yeah, and that's important. One of the challenges I imagine you must face is we've got twenty eight hundred employees that are scattered literally all over the state, uh, working in our state parks and field offices and everything else. How have you tackled that challenge? The fact that everybody's not in kind of one or two locations. Well, actually, I I have to admit to you that that has been one of the best parts of coming here to DEP and carrying out the work of this office, because I've been going all around the state to our satellite locations to provide direct training to our managers and supervisors. And in doing that, it gave me an opportunity to, number one, see the wonderful treasures that we have here within the department. Um, in terms of our facilities and our state parks and um, all the wonderful places that our employees work. And secondhand, they appreciate that. They appreciate knowing that it's not a one-size-fit-all approach to the directives that come from this office, my office, as it relates to the policy and ensuring that our employees are aware of what their responsibilities are. So learning the culture, learning the climate, getting an opportunity to meet the people and the the types of responsibilities that they have and tailor the training to the unique needs of a particular location has really been beneficial, I believe, for both myself and for the employees that I've met. And you've put a few miles on the car as well. I have. (laughs) I have, and it's been wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we do have some uh, spectacular locations here in our state. I'm always amazed that even even though we're the most densely populated state in the Union, uh, we still have almost a quarter of our natural spaces preserved. 
and uh, you know you can go from the beach up to the mountains and everything in between. It's uh, it's great. And what has always impressed me, and I'm sure you found the same thing, is the dedication of the people who are out working in the field offices and in our parks and wildlife management areas and marinas and everything else. A real commitment to the mission. Absolutely. I mean, it's very evident, and I could see why it would be a joy to work in those surroundings and to be able to interface with the public representing this agency and the best that the agency has to offer in terms of just not only their commitment to the work, but their, their love of the work and their love of what they're doing as it relates to the environment. Now, we talked a little earlier about uh, the responsibility of managers if something is brought to them, but we should probably also talk about what employees ought to do if they feel they have been subject to uh, some sort of discrimination or harassment. What is an employee who has been or feels they have been subject to that sort of behavior, what are the first steps they should take in terms of uh, following up and perhaps filing a complaint? So if the employee feels comfortable, they should by all means report the matter to their supervisor or manager. However, that is not required. They can directly call over to my office, and we will take down their information and follow up by way of having one of the representatives from my office meet with them and discuss what the concerns are. In addition to reaching out via phone, they can also email the office. If you go to DEP.net under Program Units and you click on Equal Opportunity, it will have the contact information for the office. There is no magic process by which that needs to be initiated. We want to make it as convenient as possible for the employee and for them to feel comfortable. The other thing that I would want to underscore is that all things as it relates to handling EEO referrals are handled confidentially. We want employees to feel comfortable knowing that if they come to our office, that that information isn't being telegraphed to everyone in the department, that we maintain, um, we, we are actually in a satellite office, we're not a part of the main building. In addition to that, we have confidential phone lines, so even if you get a call from someone in my office, it won't show up in a peer, so other employees would not be aware that you would be contacted by EEO. To the extent that we have any files or documents that uh, pertain to a matter, they are kept under lock and key in our office, and we don't turn those that information over absent a court order to do so. Mm. So there is a um, commitment that's built into the policy to protect confidentiality as well as retaliation. We have all of that contact information on the description of the podcast, so if people miss the email website, just go to the description of the podcast and all that information is right there for you. So having been here since February, um, I know from some of our previous discussions that you've had uh, a bunch of initiatives that you've been undertaking uh, in your area. Tell us a little bit about some of those. So as I indicated, training is number one in terms of actually doing live training within the department. I know in the past training has been provided and in many instances it's been online. Whereas the training that I've been conducting around the department not only is live, it's approximately two hours. It's very interactive, again, designed to ensure that not only are our employees aware of the policy and how it actually interfaces with their day-to-day experiences at work, but also to establish a relationship between my office and our employees. So again, they know who EEO is and they know how that would be handled. So since I've been here, um, I've trained approximately 600 
of our staff wow. since February, and that's around the state. And I will continue to do so. We just started out, like I said, with the managers and supervisors, and then we'll be building out to our line employees. In addition to conducting the live trainings, there's another mission of the office, separate and apart from enforcing the state policy prohibiting discrimination, and that is the public contract compliance provision. My office works in hand with the New Jersey Environmental Infrastructure Trust that is responsible for facilitating projects around the state that provide resources through the use of loans for infrastructure projects that take place. What we do as part of the monies that are devoted for those types of projects is we seek to ensure that under the regulations at 10%, a 10% goal, in fact, is is, um, built into the regs that there should be an effort to utilize socially and economically disadvantaged firms. Essentially, those would be minority firms, those would be women-owned businesses, so that they would also have an opportunity to be able to work on these projects. Great. So in that office, you help make sure that that happens. Right. So what we do is um, we review the contracts that are um, contract applications that are submitted on behalf of the projects that are being considered to be developed. We also work with the contractors and the municipalities or the authorities with respect to identifying socially and economically disadvantaged businesses that may be able to work on the projects. So you have a very full plate. (laughs) I do. We have over 200, I believe over 250 projects in the ground all over the state. And not only are we involved in the contract review, but we're also involved in once the the project is in the ground and it's actually in the process of construction, um, compliance in terms of reviewing the reports and the efforts that are made. Esther, you came over here from the Attorney General's office. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and, and why you decided to come to DEP and leave the AG's office. Thank you for asking that. I would consider myself professionally to be a retired career prosecutor. This January marks my 26th year in public service. I started out in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, and I was an assistant district attorney there for 10 years. Did you Um, work with anybody whose name might be familiar? Yes. My claim to fame is that my my classmate coming into the office was John F. Kennedy, Jr. Uh So when you start in the district attorney's office, you come in together as a class. And he was a great guy. Yeah. So thanks for asking. I met and married a guy from New Jersey. So um, as a consequence, I had to cross over to the Hudson, and I was fortunate enough to um, continue the work that I love doing at the Attorney General's Office with the Division of Criminal Justice. And so I worked there as well as specifically within the Office of the Attorney General for approximately 16 years before I came here to DEP. Um, My last position over at the Attorney General's Office was Deputy Director for their Office of Equal Opportunity. So um, it was a great opportunity for me to come over here as the new director when that position became available. And um, I'm really happy that I had the opportunity to bring my experience and my passion for the work here and also having the opportunity to meet all the great people here in the department, yourself included, Bob, has truly been a treat. Yeah, well, we're lucky to have you over here because uh, not only your knowledge base, but I, I think just the way you approach these issues 
in what is kind of, I would describe as a non-threatening, but very firm way, uh, which is a tough balance, um, particularly for someone who spent so much time as a prosecutor, you know, <laughs> in a way that makes, I think, people feel comfortable knowing that if there is a problem or an issue, that it's going to be handled in a very professional, confidential manner. Uh, it's so important, I think, particularly in a position like yours, that people have that level of comfort and confidence that things will be handled well. And that is certainly something that I have heard people say about the training you've been giving and, and the work that your office is doing. So already in just a few short months, you've uh, you've developed quite a, a sterling reputation around this department for the work you're doing. And, and we're glad to have you here. And we're glad. And the AG's office loss is certainly our gain. So as you look uh, as you look in the months and years ahead, kind of what are some of the goals you set for yourself in your office? A couple of things. It's important for me not only to continue to do the, the good outreach, but also in terms of efficiencies. Um, I'm very much about being metrics driven and looking at the types of cases that we get, the referrals that come over, and tailoring our efforts accordingly. So for example, out of the complaints that may be forwarded to our office, if we see that there's an increase, let's just say, in um, gender discrimination, then that would inform me in terms of there needs to be some focus on how we can address some of those issues or may do some training or, or understanding what the dynamics are within the department that may speak to that particular area being something that we see as an increase or a significant number of those referrals. So I think it's important to pay attention to not just the work, but the metrics behind the work and, and let that guide and inform you of how we should be tailoring ourselves. If you can pick up on trends or something that might, might not always, but could indicate some larger issue that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. And I think, um, to your point, that's why the training that I've been doing thus far has been successful because it has been a discussion about what we see as being the trends and trying to sensitize our managers and supervisors and employees so that not only can we get out in front of these things, but that we know that it's important for us to address these things head on. I think the message that comes through loud and clear is that, you know, although there are laws and policies and lists of protected classes and all that sort of stuff, which if you look at it the first time could seem a little overwhelming, but you said it very early on, you know, if you treat people with dignity and respect, and if you follow that old golden rule, treating others the way you would like to be treated, you won't run afoul of any of these things. Absolutely. Yeah. So it kind of boils down to that. I really appreciate your taking time uh, to spend here in Trenton when you could be out at a beautiful state park training folks I know. Uh, to talk with us about the uh, Office of uh, Equal Employment Opportunity and as well as your work in public contract compliance. Uh, I, I think it, uh, all of our listeners should uh, be very comfortable knowing that uh, this office not only exists, but uh, is run in a way that if anybody does feel they've been discriminated against or harassed, it's a, a place where they can go to get these things addressed and, uh, and make sure that they are working in a workplace that is conducive to everybody doing the best possible work because their focus is on the work and not on other things which just are destructive not only of morale but of work product and everything else. So, Hester, thank you so much for taking the time out. It's always a pleasure to visit with you, and I appreciate your being here on Discover DEP. Thank you, Bob. I just want to say one thing. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the excellent staff that I inherited in the office. And I think that that speaks volumes, again, to the department in terms of the, the level of 
commitment, the, the, the standard of excellence in terms of how my staff executes the work that they do. They are in large part why the office has and will continue to do the good work that it does. And so I just wanted to make the, the department aware that I stand here and I'm here with you today talking about the office, but it's the people in the office that make the difference. Yeah, that's true, I think, for all of us. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, as I said, on the description of the podcast are links to uh, the web if anybody uh, should need to avail themselves of that information. And we also have links to the policies uh, for people to brush up on them as they feel they ought to. Thanks again so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.